From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 143, and today I'm joined by Natalie Brown, an actor who you're probably familiar with from series such as Ransom, Frankie Drank Mysteries, The Strain, Dark Matter, as well as my film, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I, I stumbled that. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm is Jeremy. It, is it over? It's, yeah. Over. It's seven, <laughs> not or. I kind of said, well, I said or. it. I said it in a poetic way. Very. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie a lot of times, yeah. but I haven't watched it probably with, with you for sure. <laughs> this, and this is, sorry. Hi, Natalie Brown. About to watch. This is her inaugural viewing. Yeah. So I've seen it, over. but I haven't watched it probably in... Maybe close to 10 years. Oh, it's Which time. is surprising to me because I love this movie. You know who else loves this movie? Who? This is the favorite film of uh, Barack Obama. Oh, really? Barack Obama loves this movie. Interesting. Yeah. It's not one of those things where it's like, you know, second most popular among serial killers. I don't, not, like, not that I know book. of. Right. Not that I know of. Okay, good to know. Um, so what do you know about this movie? Almost nothing about the movie, but I know a lot of little bits about the making of. Okay. And also just because I was reading about, you know, Nurse Ratchet coming out, which I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. I love Sarah Paulson. Well, when is that coming out? I um, forgot. It's in production right now. So yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. they've just started shooting. Could be wrong, but... Um, no, I remember that being announced now, and then I totally forgot. This was this is why I said I wanted to watch it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so excited for Nurse Ratchet, but I've never actually seen one. What That's okay. Or is it commonly known? Um, so I know little bits about the making of that make it really fascinating, um, without ever having seen the movie. Yeah. And generally speaking, I like to know nothing about a movie. That's my favorite way to see a movie. And they're always the most impactful when I know absolutely nothing. I could like cite so many examples, like Parasite being something just recently where yeah. I thought it was going to be a horror and I was so pleasantly oh, surprised. Same. Yeah. I was so relieved. And I was waiting for something to like, oh, kind of, well, there's aspects, right? Oh, but I was just so relieved. I'm like, oh, is that all? But the thing about Parasite is that it's just like, it's not any one thing either, right? It's like multiple it's genres. It's great, smashed yeah. and It's everything. I mean, it's as funny as it is horrifying without being a horror. Yeah. Because it was a week of Halloween too. I was like really kind of ready to be psyched out of having to close my eyes through half of it. But um, having said that, so I also just recently saw Easy Rider for the first time. Oh, wow. Because it's the 50th anniversary That's of Easy crazy. Rider's release. You're on a jack kick. I want to jet wall, and I didn't even know he was in the movie. Oh no! no. You knew that. You knew that. Did I just ruin that for you? No. Oh. I just so so Tiff was for the 50th celebration or 50th anniversary. They were having uh, viewings of Easy Rider, and my brother. It was one of my brother's favorite movies. So I was like, "Do you want to come see this with me? I've got tickets." And I only knew Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper. 
classic movie and also one of my favorite restaurants in Parkdale that have the best toast soldiers. Yeah. Easy Rider. Yep. Right? Well, I know Easy Rider. Their they're peanut butter smoothies. Their peanut butter smoothies is epic. Yeah. And their toast soldiers and, and uh, all the paraphernalia you could ever want to see. And I'm like, I can't believe I haven't seen this movie. Because a, yeah. a lot of movies I've seen in the past and forget that I've seen them. Whereas this one, I'm like, no, I don't think I have. So I saw it, knowing nothing about it, and found myself... Like kind of like not quite cringing and not quite eye rolling, but there's some elements again. You need to think back and not yeah. not look at it through today's lens. I know that, but I'm like, but this some of this just feels so bullshitty. Like I'm like, there couldn't have been a script. They must have ad libbed the whole thing. Um, it feels like it's unedited, and some of the edited some of the edits are just jokes. Those flash edits, terrible, yeah. right? And yeah. then so when I went down the rabbit hole afterwards, I found the research I did on the film more enjoyable. Than actually watching the well, movie. Easy Rider was kind of the beginning, not kind of, it was the beginning of like the counterculture, counterculture. movement. And so yeah. it's like, you know, think whatever you want to think about the movie, but it's like, it started something. At the time, the number one movie in America was Gidget. Yeah. So this is where people's sensibilities were, but what was actually going on was, you this. know, this. And so well, I and this was, was kind of groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking in American cinema because this kind of stuff had been going on in Europe for, for a long time. It was finally like, those sensibilities were coming over here. Right. You know, because we had the Hayes Production Code that was censoring so much of movies and what we could say and couldn't say and that kind of stuff. Where if you look at European movies from the 50s and it's like, holy shit. No rules. No rules. But even like, we did some things where we bent rules. We Like, there's some movies like The Apartment. Have you ever seen The Apartment? I missed your black hole viewing of that. Oh, it's so... I think you maxed out. (laughs) It's so good. But there's like, I remember the first time I saw The Apartment and knowing what year it was made, it was like... Some of the stuff in the storyline is like, holy shit, like they were, like you don't think about movies having that kind of stuff in that era. And then, mm-hmm. and, and it also is like, how do they dance around that? It's phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, Easy Rider is um, bizarre if you don't know anything about it going into it. Oh my gosh. And like, yeah, finding out, also, yeah, again, didn't know, and Jack Nicholson was like a savior. Because at the point where you feel like <laughs> the entire movie is just improvised, and then he shows up and I'm like... Well, here's some well-written words, and I think he actually stuck to the script, which he did. Yeah. And then find out they smoked 155 joints for just the one scene around the campfire. And he miraculously <laughs> kept, like, he continued to know his lines. Like, he was on book the whole time. Well, they time. had this uh, production company, him, uh, and, and they were all, like, doing movies. Like, Nicholson directed a couple of them, mm-hmm. uh, The King of Marvin Gardens, and uh, Drive, he said. And them, some of them... Here's the thing. If you don't like Easy Rider, you're not going to like those other ones. Because mm-hmm. they're even more counterculture right. in a lot of ways. Um, but Dennis Hopper, he never directed again, did he? He directed one before, one after, and then no one wanted to find him. He, he directed another movie like many years later. And then I think he flirted with something recently. But it was amazing because that movie came out and did crazy business. Yeah. And you would think that he would have had this huge directing career from it. But also you look at it and you look at the kind of movie that was and it feels like it's almost a fluke. It was a bit of a like He had 80 hours of footage from New Orleans alone. His cut was like four hours. I yeah. feel like he was so... And him, him and Peter Fonda never spoke again. To the day that he... Like, to when he died and Peter Fonda went and wanted to pay respects and the family wouldn't let him attend the funeral. Oh, they must have had a big falling out. They had a big falling out. I didn't know that. Issues with the movie. So again, sometimes it's like knowing about the film can sometimes inform it. Yeah. Like I'd rather know nothing, but yet... Afterwards. I'd rather know nothing watching something, but there was so much to know that might have behooved me while watching the movie. Yeah, but then, then sometimes it warrants a second viewing, right? 
Right. Because that, that is I, the thing, right? And we I'm talk, still working on first viewing. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but it's like, but that's the interesting thing about, and we talk about a lot in the podcast, is like context. Mm. Especially when you get into like, you know, movies that are a bit outdated and when it comes to like sexual politics mm-hmm. and race and gender and all these kind of things. Where it's and just mental like, illness. Yeah. It's like, can you forgive yeah. a movie because of when it was made? Uh, certain certain injustices. Well, I don't know. We don't know if we can forgive people. Can we forgive the project? That's th- these are questions yeah. we ask right in in 2019, mm-hmm. soon to be 2020. Well, this is certainly interesting because I've always wanted to see this film. So I'll, you know what story wise? What do you know story wise? I mean, I know it, it takes place in an asylum. No, it, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. What? <laughs> okay, great. And I no, have no, no, no idea no. what I'm in for. I do know that there were a lot of non actors used. Yeah, a lot of the background are actual mental patients. Patients, yeah. Um, I, I paused saying it because I'm like, is that a, an okay term to use? Mental pa- patients? Patients in a mental But mental, facility. the word mental patient. I don't know. I'm like, that, no. I don't think we can yeah, say that anymore, I, can we? Context is everything. But, but I, well, luckily we broke it up. I said mental and you said patient. So yeah, we didn't so as long as we say keep it. a little. But I just, I guess, what's the, what's the proper word now or phrase? Uh, I mean, patients of mental illness. There we go. Yeah. Oh. Feels like the same thing. But, uh, well, let's just move on. Let's Someone tweet us the answer of our inappropriate question. We're uh, we're trying to be PC here and be woke. Also, I'm we're I can't fucking it up. Fact, was she not the only female in the movie? Ratchet? Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, she's pretty much the only female, but so I think... that's... I don't want to say who, yeah. but I think there's one or two other very, very small female yeah. roles. Oh, that's not true. There are other female roles. Uh, but there's like, they're very much like one scene, two scene type things. Mm-hmm. I also heard that, um, is it Milos? Milos. Milos, yeah. Yeah, the director. Often <clears throat> wouldn't tell them when the cameras were rolling. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he just wanted to like capture stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know anyone else that's in the movie? DeVito. DeVito? It's his first film. No. No, it's one of his. I don't know if it is his first film. Oh, wow. Film. And there's another very famous actor. Okay, then don't tell me. I won't tell you. There's well, there's a couple that is. There's one that is like big household name, and another, and others oh, that you probably recognize. Christopher Lloyd. Yep. Okay. It was his first film for yeah. sure. Um, I wish I didn't know. I, I I almost wish I knew nothing because, like I said, not knowing that Jack Nicholson, okay. and I was like, oh my god, he like he arrives in Easy Rider. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just this yeah. godsend. Breath of so fresh air. Ways. He's a oh, breath of fresh air in that movie. Boy, did they need him. And I think they didn't want to cast him. And even in this, they had other people up for both roles. Yeah, so Audrey, he- Audrey Hepburn was up, was offered the role of Ratched. Really? And so it was like, uh, I was looking at the list. Just so many. Like just, um, I almost said Jessica Chastain. Oh, Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Yeah. There's Jessica a whole bunch. Chastain. Probably could. Uh, who was it? Um... Yeah, a ton of actors were, they, they, they went through, not went through, but there was a bunch of other people that they considered for the, the McMurphy role. Which Brando. Is Brando. Gene Hackman. Yeah. But, but you watch it with, it's one of those things that now you watch it and it's like. Who else could it have been? It just, it, it, yeah, it can't be anyone else. It's him. Mm-hmm. But let's stop talking about it. Yeah. Because we're going to ruin it. I'm going to say something and yeah, ruin don't, it. Yeah, what, what, what little I don't know about it but still don't know story wise yeah now this was one of my the last thing i'll say is that this was one of those films that i I discovered when i was in film school 
where we'd all just like pass around VHSs to each other and be like, oh, you haven't seen this? And we just nerded out and passed. <laughs> the currency yeah, we, we, of we'd, the time. Yeah, we'd pass around stacks of VHSs, right? And this is one of those movies Literal that stacks. I just popped in not knowing anything about it and randomly watched it and just being one of those movies that I was like, what the fuck was My that? Machine. Wow. What is this? And what else is there like this? It's so I, rare that that can happen. Yeah. How do we? I had a couple like that. The apartment was one of those for me. Mm-hmm. I just put it in. Going, oh, it's a little romantic comedy. And, oh like, and then walked around in a daze the rest of the day going, there's nothing, what more is like that? I need to find other movies like that. And people are like, no, that's it. Well, that's what makes me nervous about podcasts because sometimes I've, not sometimes. You're allowed to hate it. No, it's not that. Often when I watch something and I'm really impacted by it, yeah, it's hard to put into words what you've just seen because it takes me a while to like either digest it and unpack certain ideas and themes yeah. or... And so <laughs> the fear of watching something for the first time. The pressure. And then talking about it, you might have to do more of the talking. I will, I I will just be reeling from it. I will try to draw it out of you. Draw it out of you. I will you. try to be a good host. Like 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 almond butter out of this gingerbread cookie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go. Here we go. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Just finished and <laughs> processing. Oh wow! What did you say? You said that that it might be one of the best, most powerful endings to any movie I've seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the way along, it's it's far from a perfect movie, but it's a perfect fucking ending. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I had. I'm going to need some help unpacking this. <laughs> That's okay. What keeps it from being like a perfect movie for you then? Just that it's slow? It doesn't, it's kind of aimless? No, I actually, I mean, I can watch an aimless movie with great performances. Yeah. And interesting characters for hours. And I have no issue with that. Some yeah. of my favorite movies are like, you know, character driven and sort of meandering story wise. I just wasn't sure necessarily where it was going, but I'm enjoying the ride. And I wasn't really sure about, um, oh my God, I wasn't sure how I felt about Ratchet because I think I had expectations of her not necessarily being more evil because I knew that when they cast her, uh, when they cast Fletcher, you know, she didn't go about playing the character as particularly evil, but I was left a little bit. Yeah, but it's a weird... But, I mean, she is, for lack of a better term, the villain. She is. Because she, she has to be, because no one else is, necessarily. But yeah. But she's just doing her job. She's just doing her job, but then there are those little moments where it's just like she closes down the vote for the thing. And it's just like, come on, like, he just... But the fact that she even allowed for a vote was kind of generous yeah and lenient to begin with well and there's the moments where uh you know they're all meeting in the the doctor's office and she's the one that's like we should keep him i think he could use he could get better here Mm. and she's the only one that comes to his defense right but then you have to ask does she is keeping him there actually (laughs) a chance at revenge the best thing well it's like and for me it's like having not watched this in a long time, but having thought about it a lot over the years, and mm-hmm. as, I, as I write different stuff, I think about like this is you know, in many ways, it's an ensemble film, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it falls under what you would call like kind of this subgenre of like institutionalized, 
is, is, a, is a kind of the theme of this film. And, and, and films that are like that are about, like, you either join something or you have to blow it up. You know, it's like it's, they tell stories about either you either, like, submit and you become part of the system mm-hmm. or you have to destroy it, you know? And for him, at the end, he, they make him, they, you know, they lobotomize him. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And didn't see that coming. I thought he was going to fake his way right through to the end. And then, and then I, I, I knew he died, but I thought it was going to be by trying to escape. Mm. And essentially. Oh, you didn't know he died? I think I knew he died. I, I kind of blocked it out and I was like, oh, right. Because I, I thought maybe he would they'd get him while he was trying to escape, which essentially they did. Yeah. I mean, what happened to him? They, they did get to him because of what he did. Um, I'm trying to think of the character's name. Um, Billy? Billy. Poor Billy. Fred Durf is amazing in this Unbelievable. Movie. He steals it for me. Isn't he great? Yeah. Him and Chief. Chief, yeah. Well, Chief. One who does so much and one who does so little, but their presence is just uh, yeah. overpowering. But they don't milk it. It's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a movie full of amazing performances but everyone just is just kind of there, mm-hmm. you know. Even mm-hmm. like Devito, he's <laughs> so sweet. He's so small and sweet, and the guy that plays Cheswick breaks my fucking heart. He is the only one that I could. I feel like you I felt could, the acting. I could, I could tell for sure it was an actor, and some of the other ones sort of ride the line. Mm. Um, Billy, though, my God, what's his name again? Uh, Brad Dourif. Oh my God! Phenomenal. Wow. For those who uh, so Brad Dourif is like a character actor. He's like. He was in uh, Deadwood. He was the, the uh, a doctor on Deadwood. He's been. He, he's in. Um, he doesn't play Worm, Worm Tongue, but he's in the, the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, he is. He does a lot of voice work in in certain things. I think he played. No, I get it wrong. I, I almost said Joker, but that's not true. That's Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, he he was the voice of uh, Chucky. What in uh, the in the yeah, child's play movies? Oh, oh wow! Um, yeah, so he's he's one of those guys that's always been around. He's a character actor, but this is not not his first film, but definitely like uh, I, I have to say, he must have been nominated. He didn't win. Oh, this is one of those rare films. Five, it swept the top five. five. Yeah, the top five. Yeah, it was one of the only uh, at, at the time. It was the third film to have done it. Did she? She awesome. won, yeah. She won for Best Actress. He won for Best, best Actor, actor director, director, Screenplay, script. and uh, Best Picture. And Best Picture, yeah. And there were two other nominees, too. I think Editing and Cinematography. Yeah, but didn't win for anything else. didn't win for, yeah, just the five. Just yeah. the five. Um, yeah, perfect ending. Because yeah. what, what's the last thing Chief says? He says, I feel, I feel big as a mountain or powerful as a mountain. Yeah, he says, I'm ready to go. I feel as big as a mountain. As big as a mountain. Because that moment when he says that he can't escape because McMurray is so much bigger than him. It's just such a heartbreaking. No, you don't yeah. understand. You're bigger than me. Um, you had that great reaction uh, when Chief speaks for the first time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's everyone's who have ever watched this with. for the first time. They just like because <gasps> you buy because you, you buy it. You buy because well, there is a and I guess here's a question to ask: uh, Is was McMurphy crazy? Did he belong there? No. So that makes the ending even more heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, uh, <laughs> and you know what I forgot? I forgot why he originally went to jail. 
A little, a little statutory. A little statutory situation. rape. Yeah. Although you get that, what does he call it? The pink beaver in front of you, oh Doc. Oh my God. It ain't crazy at all. Two, I think the two of the most disturbing things were actually what he was in for and then just sending candy into the room. But then, I mean, they are prostitutes, you know. I have to think that they are to begin with. Otherwise, it's like the most disturbing part of the film. Yeah, but also you could argue it's like he doesn't exactly go away unpunished because of it. No one does. You know, it leads to not only his death, but Billy's yeah, death. Yeah, Billy's death, his death. And it's, you know, so it's it like... doesn't go unpunished. Yeah, if you argue it's like it's a bad move by McMurphy to, to do what he does to Billy, mm-hmm. it's like, and to do what he does to Candy, it's right. like, yeah, and he pays for it. They both do. You know, it's not like the movie ends with him being a hero because of it. No, 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 you're right. It's the, it's the seize of his undoing, really. And poor Billy's death is just death by shame. Well, and that's just it. It's like so. You, so the question becomes: It's like whose whose hands does what, he die at? Yeah, is the, is the blood on her hands or on McMurphy's hands? Hers. Yeah, hundred percent. Because the mother stuff. Shame right? is a killer. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do to a person. Especially someone like that. Yeah. Who it's like, and you for, you almost forget until just that moment you hear that scream, and then you remember that scene earlier on. When they're in in group and she says, uh, "It's well, not true because what did you sing about your mother?" No, she made a comment about how that, that was the first time you tried to kill yourself. Oh right, when the girl didn't, right. wouldn't marry him. Right, and it's just one little thing, and 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 that's what you're asking like the purpose of those therapy scenes, and I think it's just to give you those kind of that exposition you need. Right. Well, no, I think it was just the, like having everyone comment on one particular person. I mean, maybe it's just like early days of cognitive therapy. And trying to socialize them. <laughs> Very experimental cognitive well, therapy. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're doing electroshock therapy there, right? They still do that now. Ugh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've visited people in uh, a ward before. So it's kind of hard to watch at first, but then you had made this point of like, there's actually like a certain amount of freedom within the movie and joy. Life. And life. He brings life to that ward. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Um, so yeah, you kind of sort of quickly get past the, um, you know. The, the reasons the, he's there. The, the, well, and the pity that you're feeling initially just even being entertained. Yeah. By where the movie is set. Like there's a certain amount of guilt I was coming into watching the movie with. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because you're sitting back being entertained, and again, it is not a commentary on mental illness necessarily. No, I don't think so. It's not. So I think it, much is forgiven. Yeah, no, the movie's not trying to like make fun of anyone. No, or, uh, or exploit. Any- it's not exploitive in any way. No, where like now you feel like what I love about this film is is the joy and the life that's in it, and how it's almost about this. You know, this person trying to bring, you know, bring the system down in his own way just by bringing life into it and giving these people something to... Yeah, he's, he's trying to bring them, bring it down while lifting them up. Yeah, that's just it. And, and it eventually breaks him because you can't rework a system like that. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just the way it is. But what I love about it is that I think that if you were to remake it today, I think uh, you, you'd hope that the right filmmaker does it because otherwise... 
it would be so easy to take this and just really make it like a drama mm-hmm. and not let that comedy that's so integral to it come through, you know? Well, because you even said, I was like, what? wait, I thought the whole plan was to escape and he's inviting the girls in. Because he said bring booze. And yeah. Like he wants to get the one last party before he goes. Yeah, he wants to have a send-off. It's, it's supposed to be... It's, it's either Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. Right. It's one or the other. Maybe it's Christmas. Yeah, they're playing Christmas music Or they're taking... Yeah. But it's also... It's one or the other. It's like he wants to give the boys one last hurrah mm-hmm. before he, he takes off into the night. And even the next morning, he's, they, they don't know he's still got the keys, right? Right. He's got Scatman Crothers Crees. Turkle, I guess. Turkle. This is his character. Yeah. Uh, he still could have gone. He could, well, even up to the moment, like they, you know, the nurse screamed, everyone ran. He could have went. He could have. But he went, he needed to know what happened to Billy. And then that was, it was too late at that point. He couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And Chief didn't want to leave him behind. And he wanted to make her pay. Oh, we just. I'm so curious though, because there's so little we know about Ratchet. It'll be really interesting to see. Is it a prequel? What, what Ryan Murphy is going to do. Well, it's her, obviously her perspective so is I it a remake from her point of view? I I don't know that it's a remake, but I know. I mean, obviously she's the titular. All right, character. I want to look this up. Let's look it up. I'll look it up while we're but talking. But I can't wait because she's a little two dimensional. I think what she brought to it made it less so than perhaps how it was written because I think they just wanted her to be the personification of evil. Yeah, and she had a hard time. Um, I don't. I think she didn't watch the movie for a long time. Because she had a hard time with uh, that everyone um, got to play like something nice or got to have fun and enjoy. She apparently took her clothes off one day on set. Oh, really? Yes. She she said she rarely remembers doing it, but she flashed them because it's, you know, it's her. Obviously, there's her little sidekick nurse that's next to her. But other than that, it was just her with the, the group of men every day. And at one point... She just opens up her nurse's uniform to remind them that there is a woman underneath. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, well, she just wanted to have fun with it. And she, I think she resented Milos Foreman for trying to keep them separate and trying to create this real, like, the guys are over here and they're a group and she's separate. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be able to, like, bond with her castmates. But I think he made a real point of keeping them separate. Oh, even in between. And so it really, I think the whole process for her was kind of unenjoyable. Yet, um, yet another one of Jack Nicholson's co-stars having a miserable time working. Yeah. Uh, so Sarah not Paulson, him, Sarah yeah. Paul, it's a series, not a movie. Yeah. It's my, no, it's Ryan Murphy. Yeah. And Sarah Paulson is playing, uh, playing it. And apparently there's a bidding war between Netflix, Hulu and Apple. Oh, I thought it was for FX. Netflix ended up scooping it up with a, a two season, 18 episodes straight to series order. 18. Well, they probably, that's probably the deal they had to make to, yeah. to get it if everyone's competing, right? Right, right, right. Get wow. I thought so. it was just going to be like a like feud. I thought it was going to be feud, six episodes and one season. You know, yeah. it's probably two, it looks like two nine-episode seasons or maybe one ten and one so eight. So much to mine. It's an origin story, oh, it says. okay. So maybe, it, it'll be interesting. I wonder if it'll lead up into the Cuckoo's Nest story. Without having to... Ha- have people reprise those roles that are so iconic, you'd almost rather them not. It's almost like what you'd want if they designed it in a perfect way is you end the series with McMurphy showing up. That's it. And you get out there. 
and someone other than DiCaprio playing Jack Nicholson. Yeah, or you never see him. You just see like someone from behind with a hat, mm-hmm. and you know that it's McMurphy. It's just the skull. So you need is the skull, skull cap. cap and bomber done. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. And you don't get to see the face or anything, right? Just the, would... pre- the presence yeah. shows up. Yeah, yeah, I think it's safer. Yeah, well, and what would be interesting because I'm sure. The, the con like you know the way you kind of said she's kind of a two dimensional character. I think what would be what I'm hoping the series does is she starts off as this, you know, bright idealistic nurse who we see this, we see this same thing. It's like she wants to believe that she can like undo the system, but then the system ends up breaking undoing her. her. Yeah. yeah, and everyone else in it. Yeah, it'll be kind of like a, a tragedy in a way, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be. I think ultimately, I think you have to start off with for a character arc like that to work and for her to end up where she is here mm-hmm. you got to start off with her being idealistic mm-hmm. well and i mean with some of the patients too they're there by choice right yeah which is a shock to mcmurphy he's like well you guys are fucking crazy to be here yeah but yeah hopefully you're giving them a better day than what they'd have otherwise well i mean that's just it it's like they they know enough to know that they don't they, they don't fit in in uh, in regular society, right? And so for them, it's more it's safer for them, and they feel more comfortable being there. Well, and I mean, yeah, it's a guaranteed, you know, meal roof over their head, and with some kind of oh, someone to watch. They don't have to burden a family member with if they have if they even have that. Them, yeah. yeah. Oh boy, let's not go down that tangent. But yeah, no, I know. <laughs> well, one off the list. Check. Check. Two off the list. What's no? You know what I else I haven't seen? What did you do for Halloween? We, we, this year, uh, I I did uh, Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and then we did um, Texas Chainsaw, oh, yeah. and I can't remember. I think we did one more, and I can't remember off the top of my head now. Why would do you have a horror movie that in your it's back pocket? It's not horror because I feel like you know because I shy away from it. Mm. I, I'll work in it. I can't watch it. I never have been able to. Like growing up in the eighties when all my cousins were like, "Of course we're watching the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm But you watch the stuff you're in. I can, but even then, like as long if it's fantastical, it's fine. If it's supernatural or just like real people doing evil things, I can't. I, I can't hang. Like I have to sit behind everyone with one eye open and. Um, but when I saw The Shining, I think I told you this. Yeah. I hadn't seen it. We were shooting, um, in an abandoned motel, two and a half hours outside of Winnipeg. And it was like the middle of winter. Everyone else wraps first. And another actress says, well, you know what? Here's my room key. I've got a bunch of movies loaded up on my laptop. Watch whatever you want. So I'm by myself in an abandoned motel. The snowstorm hits. I open and you watch The Shining? And Did you know? No, I watched it for oh the first God. time. That is the both. That is both the best. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because as the movie starts to unfold, I'm like, "You've got it." Oh, that is the best and worst environment to watch I'm that alone movie in. in a hotel in a snowstorm. Oh my God! But it was. And so, were you drinking? <laughs> I had to just to numb things out a little bit. I had a little red wine, but it was so cinematic that to me it was like a beautiful film. It wasn't a horror. But movie. you watched it on a laptop. I watched it on a laptop. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe that was that was my. Well, it's not your fault. You that was you didn't have a choice. That was that. my saving grace. Um, so and I watched Deliverance by myself in the woods. Oh, what? Do you just like channel the no, shit? No, um, my 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 boyfriend was allergic to something and took one too many Benadryl, 
And the only like non-Russian VHS movie at my friend's mother's was cottage Deliverance? was Deliverance. They just watched for fun. And I find <laughs> out I get a text from her brother saying, "By the way, you know, berries were scarce, and their bears have been brave, and one actually had come right up onto the porch that day." And they just left me the key, and my boyfriend's like dead to the world, and I'm like by myself in the woods with bears. Anyway, uh, so I haven't seen um, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, we haven't... No, we haven't done that yet. You haven't done it yet? We'll do it next Halloween. And I'm dying to watch that because I... It doesn't necessarily have to be a Halloween movie. It's not necessarily Halloween. I wanted to watch it this Halloween, but I I know for some people that also don't like horror, it's like their favorite film. Well, it's fascinating. It's, um... Because it's not really... It's... I mean, it's kind of a horror. It's a thriller. It's it's a... You know, it, it's It's a, unsettling. It's unsettling for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Oh, we can we can 100% do Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I would like to. And, I mean, one of the horrors I was a part of was the anthology, XX. Yeah, yeah. It's the first all-female horror anthology. And the last um, short is, I think, it's Karen Kusama's homage to Rosemary's Baby. I was like, I would get so much more of this if I actually if you'd seen, seen it. seen the reference... Yeah. yeah. And Yovanka Vukovic, who's the producer of XX, gave me... Like, she's written books on horror. So she's like, you need to get acquainted and have a better understanding of the fine line between fear and joy, how the amygdala produces both emotions, why some people love horror and love that feeling, and how you can I can be you know a little bit better acquainted with it, but I just don't find it an enjoyable feeling. Yeah. Like, well... Yeah. It's the opposite... Yeah, they're both... You know, both comedy and fear are, are or horror. Fear the really, amygdala, right? yeah, because it's it's the amygdala like kind of traffics on surprise. Traffics on surprise. So it's That's like so that can happen with comedy, where it's just like something happens, and so you just have like a, a reaction you can't control, which is laughter, right? Because uh, something surprises you, mm-hmm. and then but the opposite of that is being surprised by something scary, and you you have a reaction you can't control, right? Right. I feel like there's got to be like a supreme surplus of cortisol and unfriendly endorphins though when you attach fear to it yeah that i don't particularly enjoy the feeling of. i for a long time i hated horror movies when i was younger because i just didn't want like i'd sit there with my f- hands clenched going just do it do the scary jump thing yeah and get, get it, it over with, with. You bastards, <laughs> stupid filmmakers. But now I think I just at one point, I think just the more I, I, I studied film and got into it, I can just, I think I got over watching scary movies by just sitting down and going, I'm going to analyze this movie while I watch it. Mm-hmm. And therefore it can't get me wrapped up into it. And so I almost distance myself. I, I put myself just like outside of the movie mm-hmm. and don't let myself get wrapped up the way I can on most movies. But then does it ruin it for you? Like what's the point then? I think that if it's really good, it can't help but just take me away. Right. In which case, good for it. Right. You know? They got uh, you. And it, and it deserves that extra level of attention for me. But that's just almost like my way of like safely watching it where right. I just go, I'm going to distance myself. That's not scary. That's not scary. That's not scary. Or, or I'm like, oh, it. I see it what ruins. they're doing now. They're going to build this up and they're going to do this and they're going to try to jump me or here or they. And so whenever I, you know, I, I think a trope is coming and they upend it somehow, I'm, I'm just all the more impressed. So what was the last one that impressed you? You know what? I saw something um, at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. It's a Canadian movie, so I get to promote that. It's called Witches in the Woods. Mm. Um, And it's just like one of those typical, like, teenagers in the woods movies. Right. 
so it starts off with all these tropes that you're like, ugh, this. Here we go. But within like five, ten minutes, it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They know they, they, they you know, the, the premise is unique enough that it's, it's a version of that that I haven't seen. But just the way they play with it all the way through and this question of is what's happening really happening or are they imagining it? Are they going crazy? Mm. And the movie never lets up and kind of like gives anything away. And it's just phenomenal in that sense. It's just like it sets up the tropes of this world that you're used to seeing, but then it completely does something that I've never seen. I've never seen. No, no, no. Well, I I mean, again, I'm not the most highly aficionated of of horror. I'm sure someone can point to references, but I just sat there being very impressed the whole movie. Hmm. So I don't know when or how it's being released, people, but but check it out. It's a a phenomenal... uh, horror film horror thriller type film that played at Toronto After Dark this year and I can't recommend it enough Witch is in the Woods Witch is in the Woods or Witch in the Woods I think it's Witch, Witch is in the, the Woods. Woods next Halloween yeah <laughs> really a really really great flick that I'm and I think it's probably still doing festivals uh, but should be released in 2020 one would hope hmm. check it out Good check shit. it out uh, any any final thoughts on Cuckoo's Nest though before we how soon does Ratchet come out <laughs> Oh, you know what? Did it say? I'm curious. I think it's in production. These right are it now. must be. Well, I wonder if they aren't shooting both the first and the second season if they got a if they got an automatic um renewal. It doesn't say. I don't see any and information. This, it was shot in 75 but it took place in 63 and this is a prequel to that or an or This is a prequel. Term. This said I think I just I am literally it's just gazing through. I feel like it says it starts in the 40s, late 40s. Oh wow. Ratchet is beginning in 1947. Wow. Which will follow Ratchet's journey from evolution from nurse to full-fledged monster. Oh. The series will track her murderous Progression through the mental health care system. Murderous. Murderous. What the fuck is that about? Because I, I don't see her as a monster. Well, I guess you're going to. Spoiler. Well. She's a monster. Sarah Paulson, I guess, is willing to go where Fletcher was not. Well, it's one of those things, too. It's like so many like iconic actors. Audrey Hepburn would have been an interesting choice. Uh, were offered that part and turned it down. But it's one of those things that, you know, once the movie became what it became... Like, how many people were kicking themselves in the ass? Oh, yeah. Uh, but she apparently only signed on if 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 Milos was willing to not soften her, but make her at least a bit more sympathetic. Or, like, um, an instrument of evil, but not at her hand. She's part of the system. Yeah. Just doing her job. Just doing her job. Yeah. So were the Nazis. Oh, I Just know. doing their jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta pay, gotta feed the family, eh? Oh, my God. I'm no? not saying that. No, 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 I'm just but saying. Was, you know, whatever you uh, to do to approach hey, the character. the things that people justify to, for their behavior is to go, I'm just doing my job. It's not my fault. Put food on the table. Yeah, but it's like, you could do a different job. <laughs> you could, could do a different uh, job. Although that's not true in some situations. In this situation, yeah, she could leave nursing and do something else. I think during World War II, the n- the, once you're in... How own- many options did she have at the time? Her? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Well, she could have been a nurse somewhere else. <laughs> she could have went to an old age facility. She could have went. But it's like you got to imagine and, there's something about... force-fed people their meds there, well, too. Yeah, but I think there's a bit of, like, I think she kind of 
probably gets off on I was the power. She gets off on the power. There's something she yeah. enjoys about, you know, they don't really play off on it, but Murphy makes that bet with them all that it's like, give him a week and he can plant a bug up her ass. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of like the thing that's that's keeping him occupied and having fun for the first little bit and just watching the chaos. Like that first scene, that first therapy scene, when he's just joined the group and he's sitting down, he's just, I don't think he has a single line the whole scene. He's yeah. just taking it in. Right. And just like watching the insanity unfold as that one guy, one of my favorite lines is, I'm just tired and it's all a bunch of baloney. <laughs> or something like that. That was the classic line that. Uh, there was a whole bunch. Staying power. A whole bunch of the uh, in this movie had that amazing staying power for a bunch of my friends in college, and we just had like a bunch of running jokes. The baloney one. There was also this, like, it was one I can't. Remember, I'm, I'm gonna quote it wrong, but it's when uh, McMurphy's meeting with the doctor in the middle of the movie, and he's like, "We don't think you're crazy." It's like, "What's crazy? You want me to shit in the floor?" <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, stuff like that was uh, was big with us. I think a bunch of Martini's little lines, Cheswick. Oh, he had one that I forget cracked you up. Oh, it's at the beginning. It's like these are Chester Cheswick's cards. There's something he says at the end of that scene that killed me. Uh, the whole bunch of it. This is, this is one of those movies. I think when I watched it, after the watch it the first time, I must have rewatched it a dozen times within like the next year. I afterwards. mean, if. if I would have liked to have rewound actually several several parts. What's the line though too when someone's they're referring to the inmate? I mean, they're referring to the patients as crazy, and he's like, "What is crazy? How are they any different than half whatever the line is? How how do they really differ from half the guys you meet in the street?" Yeah, you know, like define crazy. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what it is to the movies. I think the big question the movie asks at the beginning is: Is McMurphy crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, mentally ill. Mentally ill. We yeah, don't, we don't even use the. Scene I'm just anymore. quoting the movie. They say crazy. The doctor characters in this movie use the word crazy, which is a bit bonkers. Uh, <laughs> we just gave this uh, interview but, a shelf life. <laughs> but that, no, but that is the that is the the question the movie asks: Is McMurphy mentally ill? Does mm-hmm. he belong there? Mm-hmm. And whether or not you believe he belongs there by the end, the movie makes a decision that he belongs there because of lobotomizing and whether or not he belonged to be there, uh, in earnest, he's, he, now he has to be because of what they've done to him. Mm -hmm. He couldn't, he would, you know, chief kills him because it's the only way to set him free and take him with him. Was his human, he sees it as a humane act for his friend, Mm -hmm. which I think it's hard to argue against. I think so. The way the movie, Pause said it's pretty much, it's, you know, the most compassionate thing. <laughs> like, it does, it just seemed like the most perfect ending. And for him to actually do the thing that McMurphy had wanted to do. Oh, and lifts the... the lifts the sink. Yeah. he feels big as a mountain. Exactly. And that's how he makes a run for the hills. He's finally ready. Well, Billy says, nobody could lift that. Chief can. Chief can. Oh, Chief boy. sure. Is. It's like fucking solid marble. <laughs> and he hoists it up on his shoulders. Yeah. He's not fucking around, but that guy's big as a. I, I read somewhere where they, uh, the guy they had play chief. It was basically the only person they could find in Oregon or wherever they shot that was the right build. Mm-hmm. But he's phenomenal. But the most beautiful, simple face, like just the the kindest, most gentle, and and 
And it's beautiful bo- and, man. And body language. Mm-hmm. Just like little little things. Like he didn't have to do much. And that's just it for someone who's like probably never really acted before. Like he's just so still. He's got still. the best presence. He's got the best presence. Knows exactly who he is. I also read that once the film was completed and they were trying to distribute it. Uh, I forget which. Um, I think it ended up being UA. No, who picked it up? United Artists. United Artists. But before that, they wanted the ending rewritten. They're like, well, Mick Murphy can't die. We, we, we need him around for the sequel. Yeah. It was MGM or something. They're like, yeah, we love it. We love it. But, you know, Mick Murphy can't die, obviously. You yeah. got to change that ending. But how would it end? He escapes? Together with Chief. I'm Where sure. they run off hand in hand into the hills? <laughs> to the, into the meadows. Sure. But that's not really what the movie's about. And that's, and that's just a case of like... Does he die in the book? I, you, know? Uh, you know what? I... Uh, I don't. I don't. Didn't read the book. I don't think. No, I didn't. I must not have because I don't remember. Mm. I, I. I would think that he did. Like it is the perfect ending. It's the perfect ending. You know, but that is what that story is about. It's like it's either you blow it up or you join, mm. or they'll force you to join. Mm-hmm. If you don't choose, if you don't join voluntarily, they'll find a way to make sure you join. And if he didn't take him with him, so to speak, then it would have. You know, then he's completely the victim of the system. Yeah, Chief couldn't leave him behind. No. Like that? Yeah. Well, and also to have those guys wake up and see him like that. Mm. Like he was their hero. You know, the way that they're, you know, in the scene just before that during the day, they're all talking about, they're all telling stories about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the legend. He's the legend. He's already become the legend. Yeah. And uh, and it's just Harding's trying to shut it all down. Mm. Fucking Harding. (laughs) You remember all their names. Well, I'd seen the movie so many times. You've seen it a few times. Yeah. And I heard Danny DeVito. um, I don't know if he was about to marry Rhea. What was her last name? Rhea. Oh, yeah, yeah, His wife. Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, yeah. And that's how he... So he created the imaginary friend. He wasn't quite sure exactly, like, what his character was or why he was in there. And then created the imaginary friend because it was actually, like... He was constantly talking to his wife because he missed her so much. She was on opposite coasts and they were oh. about to get married and they were so far away. And I think they had to they had to check in um, with um, a psychologist, like an onset psychologist. Continually check in to make sure because there was I don't know I I want to I want to read up on this again. But one of the actors. Didn't break character. Never broke character, and they were worried about him. There was a couple, I think, a couple needed, actors stayed in character. And he needed psychiatric care for months after the movie was finished filming. Because he just stayed in it. Mm-hmm. I wonder who that was. I, did, I remember reading somewhere that a couple of them just kind of stayed in it while they were shooting. Right. But that's not uncommon. No. I, I know a lot of actors that it's like if they have an accent and something, they just kind of stick, stay in it. Well, I, but I'm, yeah, I mean, a lot of people will stay in it for whatever reason, whether it's just an actor or a character, but I know a lot of actors, too, that have to play a character that is really dark and far away from them, which is why they stay in it, and then it takes them Or they year, go the opposite, and as soon as year. they call cut, they start cracking up jokes, just to, like, one break the out. Other. It's one of the other. Yeah. It's an interesting But ones thing. that stay in it, I know, have had to, like, shave their head or, like, do something drastic to just, sh- you know, shake it off. And yeah, one, I, I, I was trying to like watch the movie thinking, I wonder who is it that's so in it that... And wondered if it was if it was Billy. Might have been. I wonder. He's so great. That wouldn't surprise me. 
Oh. Just the, another reason to watch Deadwood. Oh, the torture you do for your art. I know. Oh, Deadwood's great. I know Deadwood's great. Just like, yeah, no, that's like the thousand and first reason that I need to watch Deadwood. Yeah, that that whole cast is just like a all-star team of phenomenal actors. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Um, and Didn't be, the movie just come out? The movie just came out. I still haven't seen it, actually. I'm mm-hmm. excited because I'm, I, I was looking at the in-flight entertainment for uh, an upcoming trip and, and apparently Deadwood's on the on the plane. Oh. So I'm looking forward <laughs> Forget to fi- about where you're going. I'm looking forward to finally seeing it on the plane, which is not I, I realize the most ideal place to watch it, but that's where I will be watching it. It's a good time, a good, a good way to be alone with the I'll be curious to see. I'm really because it's just it, it it's such an interesting show because it kind of shifted over the course of its it became like almost Shakespearean by the end. Mm-hmm. Even like in language in the way Milch I think if you watch like the pilot and then what ended up being the series finale, it's like just the way they write the dialogue became much more poetic and lyrical by the end. Uh, nonsensical to some extent and for wow. some characters. But uh, yeah, it really, really shifted and became something interesting. But uh, it's gorgeous. De- that was just like a phenomenal, phenomenal series. And just Seven seasons, no? Three. The only one three. Oh, what? It only did three seasons. Sons of Anarchy. That's seven. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy yeah. is seven. Uh, haven't, I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, but I know it went six or seven anyway. Seven. But Deadwood, Deadwood only, only went three. three. I can it do a, that. It was a weird time. Yeah, and there were only like, I think a dozen episodes each. Right. Uh, and it was Doable. a weird, it was a weird show and, and, and why I got, I don't even know why I can't, it had such a following, but it was, I think what was happening was like HBO was kind of struggling at the time. It was just before they were doing that Rome show. It was after uh, Sopranos. Carnival. Mm-hmm. And they, so they had they did these three big like expensive period piece shows in a row, and I think it was like oh they had to cancel that for Rome. I think they overextended themselves yeah. and they couldn't afford it. Yeah, and which is like the most heartbreaking thing because Rome will end up going a season. Yeah, and Carnival got canceled after two as well. Yeah, uh, and then of course Dad would pay the price. Yeah, and then when Game of Thrones came up, uh, I actually refused to watch it. Because I was like, HBO is going to fucking cancel it after one season because they'll realize they can't afford to make it. And so I literally didn't watch Game of Thrones until the final season was starting to air. And Which I, most people would I, say, great, because you can actually I binged the, the whole thing. It was great. You don't have to re, you don't have to rewatch a season to remember who's what. I got to binge it. But that was phenomenal. I remember um, I had bought the box set, uh, and that's how I watched it the first time, the first season, and I was home for Christmas, and I left it. And my dad was like, oh, I'm going to, uh, maybe I'll pop one in and check it out while you go out with your friends. I was like, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and I came home like, you know, 12 hours later and I hear the TV still on. It's like two in the morning. Oh my God. And I go down and my dad's like watching the last episode. I was like, dad, are you watching these out of order by any chance? He's oh, like, oh no. no. I was like, you've been, you just sat here the whole, you binged the entire season? What? And my dad is not a person that sits down and watches like more than an, a, a movie. And At the he, time, he just, he was obsessed. Game of Thrones. No, no, oh, Deadwood. Deadwood. Oh, First season of Deadwood. Oh, yeah, yeah, Couldn't yeah. put it down. I love that. Yeah. Just watched the whole thing straight through. Got up and maybe had like bathroom breaks and some food, <laughs> but he stuck it out. He watched the whole thing straight through. I love when that happens. Yeah. It's how, it, it needs to happen because sometimes the break, you, know, you got to go back and then, you know? Yeah. I, I don't do that very often when I do. It's so good. Watch it. I did it with Fleabag. 
Oh, Fleabag's great. Fleabag's easier, though. Because it's so short. It's like, it's like six and six. And then yeah, it's a like, three-hour movie. And then you're, there's a hole left in your insides because you know it's... Because you burn through it so quick. Oh. And it just... It's just, yeah, it's what I needed to see. And I yeah. need more of. And I can't. I'm going to go see the um, the streaming of her One Woman show, though. This oh. Weekend, this weekend, yeah. Nice. I think this weekend and next weekend. And that's it. That's all we got. Well, I'm finished Killing Eve. Um, nice. So well, holiday movies? Holiday movies. Yeah, well, this is going to air after the holidays, I think. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so we would have done, uh, if I get them all recorded in Major time. classics. Yeah. We, we, we screwed up. We, uh, we did Home for the Holidays. Yes. Thinking it was a Christmas movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, same. Close enough. It's close enough. American Thanksgiving's I'll put pretty that one on. close. Yeah. I'm, I put it first in the order. And then we're going to try to record... Is the Kate Hewlett uh, favorite? Kate Hewlett's favorite. And everyone was like, why the fuck? So we, I still have to have this conversation with Kate Hewlett. I haven't had a chance to follow up with her. Uh, but we're going to try to do um, uh, Miracle on 34th Street and uh, The Hebrew Hammer, which is a Hanukkah film. What? Yeah. I think That's it's like fair. a dark... Not dark comedy, but I think it's like a... Uh, parody movie. Oh, okay. I don't know much about it. I just know the title. Okay. And that people have talked about it, so I'm going to watch it. My only Christmas movie is A Christmas Story. End of Oh, story. it's so End good. It's the best. It's the best. We have someone on our street that has the lamp. No. Oh, yeah, you can get it on Amazon now. Yeah, you can buy them anywhere. It was shot in St. Catharines. Yeah. Which is where half my family's from. Nothing's ever been shot there since. I knew that yeah. growing up because my mom told me every time we watched it, that's where shot in St. Catharines. <laughs> because I, we, we grew up near St. Catharines. My family's from St. Catharines. I didn't know that until like a year ago. Oh, amazing. And I loved it anyway. My mom did that thing with the tongue. Oh, really? I think yeah. I tried it. I did it too. Yeah. Just to see just the tip and then left that part of my tongue on the pool. Yep, same with her. They, they had to um, pour hot water on the pool. Yeah, to, uh, and then burn more of your tongue to get, to get, it, get off. it off. Yeah, my kids. I showed it, we showed it to them uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah, and they just they blew out, lost their minds. I think they play it for twenty four hours straight on one of the oh, channels. One of the channels. That's all they play. I ended up buying it anyway. I have even, it on DVD. Yeah, I picked it up. I found a cheap Blu Ray, but um, but I, even though, despite I know that one channel plays it on the loop. Yeah. Uh, but and it's funny. I think some of my kids' favorite movies are Christmas movies. Like they love that one, and they'll they'll watch that one in July. And same as National Lampoons. There are there are and actors that I know that will watch the Hallmark Movie Channel and watch them on repeat through the holidays. I'm like, really? Yeah, they just want like digestible, feel good Christmas. Yeah. Um, sure. It's actually the only movie I've watched that many times, which is sad. Nice. But I have so many other films I need to see once. Oh, uh, there's there's certain ones. My my favorite Christmas movies probably a tie between Scrooged and uh, Oh Scrooged Muppet yes. Christmas and Muppet Christmas Carol. Malibu Christmas. Muppet. Muppet. Oh Muppet Christmas. I was like, I miss Malibu there's Christmas. Two. But it's like there's certain ones. It's like I probably watch. Yes. Those are movies I probably watch more than any other movies because I watch them at least once a year. There's oh. about four or five that I have to watch every Christmas. Yeah. Christmas story. And now my Christmas story for sure is one of them. And but I don't I realized I asked my son recently if he'd seen Scrooge and I don't think he had, so I'm gonna Oh nice. I think he'll get his inaugural viewing of Scrooge this year. New favorite. Which I'm really excited for. Oh, your kids were so lucky. <laughs> I was at the mercy of like what you know, Rambo and 
Like, I gotta go see Last Blood because I feel like I saw First Blood more than any other movie growing up. Like, those were like because you know, your siblings. Well, and I'm the oldest, so I have no excuse, but there was no older sibling to be like, here, check this out. Oh, so yeah. So it was like, you know, whatever the parents were renting, and it was like, one oh, video that- store in Timmins. So oh, yeah, like we were, it was, it was the 80s, too, so it was, it was like our, par- our parents let us watch whatever. Oh, really? Oh, pro- yeah, I think they, well, yes and no. I mean, there was, there was a little less uh, kind of um, being discerning over what we were watching, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, we had like one cinema, and it only brought blockbusters right so that's all i saw and this is why i'm here so thank god for you jerem to fill in the many holes all the holes one at a time all right so we'll we'll uh well you'll be back for sure i'll be back and we'll try rosemary's baby Baby. and then i think there was something else you had mentioned at one point that you'd wanted to see so many i'll look it up basically every movie you ever list on facebook i'm like yep 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 all of them. Anytime you have me. Yay! Yay! We'll have you back soon. Feel good. Bye. Bye. High five. Thanks for joining us for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.